Burgers are best fresh from the grill. Well, more specifically, burgers with Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. It's so rich and creamy that it instantly makes any burger irresistible. And what backyard barbecue is complete without some potato salad? Not just any potato salad, of course. Potato salad highlights the rich, creamy goodness of Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. So if you want to take your barbecue season to the next level, stock up on Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. For great recipe ideas, visit hellmans.com. They say every dog has its day, but when you're Lulu and your parents drive a Camry, every day is your day. The roomy rear seat is the perfect, whoa, is that the dog park? Backseat besties, it's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry. Toyota, let's go places. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Damashek football program available on iTunes and at davedamashek.nfl.com. Now here's your host, Dave Damashek. Hi and hello and happy July 4th, football fans. It's your old pal Dave, Dave Damashek. What's going down? I hope all's well wherever you are. Welcome to episode number 168 of the Dave Damashek football program, available as always on iTunes and at NFL.com slash Sheck. S-H-E-K, red, white, and blue all the way through, just like the NFL Shield. And speaking of the NFL, seated to my immediate right, you can read his work on NFL.com. It's Adam Rank. What's the poop, fella? Happy uh, Independence Day to you. Happy Independence Day to you, boss. Sure. Thanks for having sure. me. Sure, my pleasure. Yes, yes. Eat a wiener for me. I'm going to go watch Independence Day on a consecutive loop. That's how I will spend my holiday. That's how you celebrate America. Yes, What sir. is the great American movie? Well, speaking of movies, I do want to talk about this. Let me say quickly to self-promote, and then we'll get to your stuff. Okay. Um, NFL.com slash greatest uni up on the NFL.com right now. We have the bracket up there. The 32 teams, the uniforms that they are going to be wearing primarily in 2013, plus my favorite throwback for each NFL team. Up there, get in there, vote. You have until tomorrow to complete your voting if you're listening to us on the 4th. And if not, then uh, make sure you vote for round two because this will uh, continue on just like regular bracket tournaments do there. Ironic, too, that the Patriots represent our country. They're red, white, and blue. But like I say, in the uniform bracket, we do have a little video for each uniform. If you call yourself the Patriots, Mm -hmm. and, you know, obviously you're incorporating the American flag on some level. There's a star. There's a Patriot, all that sort of thing. You can only wear red, white, and blue. You can't wear navy. You got to wear royal blue. And you can't have silver. You're America, after all. You see, the Washington Capitals many moons ago, not that long ago, really, they skated out under the ice wearing turquoise black and gold. No, no, no. You're the ones who chose the name. Now live up to it, you understand. Anyway, so I would advocate not voting for the Patriots, but your vote is your vote. So do with it what you want. Rank has at NFL.com his own bracket up there, this one focusing on the best football movies of all time rank where do we stand on that one 
We are closing in on the final four, which will be revealed on Friday. And depending on when you're listening to the podcast, you might have already seen it. So we're getting there. No spoilers because our producer hates them. So I don't want to get too much into it. But a lot of the number one seeds still there. We've got Brian Song in the mix. Remember the Titans, North Dallas 40. If you have some time this weekend, want to watch a couple of movies, I encourage you to go out and get that North Dallas 40. You can find it on Amazon. It's about four bucks. Go back, watch it. It still holds up. I wanted to make sure. That was one of the tasks of when I was doing and this thing. wanted to go back and wa- rewatch it and make sure I wasn't romanticizing it. But no, it still it still holds up in our uh, one of our homepage editors, Patrick Crawley. Young kid, early 20s. I gave him the movie. I, got, I want this to be the litmus test. See if this could speak to a young man, and it certainly does. Hmm. Interesting. I, I'm surprised by that, actually, because I would think the undeveloped bodies, legitimately, of the guys in there, Nick, Nol- a young Nick Nolte and Mac right. Davis. Mac Davis is supposed to. We're supposed to buy him as an NFL quarterback. It's a little bit of a, a long shot, but yeah. And, and besides, you know, in reality, those guys weren't really lifting a lot of weights until they started uh, taking the spike a little bit and everything else. And mm-hmm. the, you see the bodies uh, develop a little bit there. But rank, by the way, you're going to have Jack Youngblood on, and you'll talk with him about this. In the return, get ready, everybody. The return of the Adam Rank Football uh, Program for ki- I mean Gridiron Program for Kids. Close enough. Whatever you call that the thing you do, it's 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 Rank's passion project. It's his uh, it's his independent show from ours, but it will be. It's my Queens Boulevard. Yeah, it'll show up here, and then so will the Around the League Debate Club. That was a good one last week too. I encourage you to listen to that one because. Yeah, crude though it may first strike you, they get in, they deal with the Aaron Hernandez stuff, and then they transition into the football effect that it's going to have, not just on the team, but how that might affect the uh, the AFC East in 2013. Pretty interesting stuff by Misters Hanzus, Sessler, and Greg Rosenthal. So give that a listen there. But look who's coming in to join us right now. This is very nice to just in time for a celebration of our Independence Day all the way from England. He's the Miami Dolphins' biggest fan here in Studio 66. It's Handsome Hank. He's Handsome Hank from England. Handsome from England. He's Handsome Hank from England. Handsome from England. He's Handsome Hank from England. Handsome from England. His name is Handsome Hank. He's Handsome Hank. He's Handsome Hank. He's Handsome Hank. Hello, handsome. How are you? I'm okay, Dave. I just discovered oh. there's supposed to be some kind of holiday today. Yeah, you've you've lived in Would the U.S. Stop? long enough what, now that you're this familiar. All about? Well, there was a there, you may have heard about uh, this uh, the American Revolution. Yes. Do you know about it? I do know about it. In fact, I'm, I'm kidding. How Dave? was it taught in school? Uh, uh, Where we, you were we, reared. We decided to um, to give the country to a group of people who, who were here. <laughs> we were no longer interested in, in maintaining I mean, it's a high-maintenance place. Actually, Dave, this is the 270, uh, 237th year of independence from Great Britain. How do you think you guys are getting on? Um, you know, it's been up and down. Yeah. It's been it's been going pretty good. More importantly, how do you think it's been going for the UK? Pretty good. You think pretty so? Good, yeah. You think the UK is better off 250 now than it was 250 years ago? Yeah, I think as we look over it, you know, we're pretty happy with the decision. <laughs> <laughs> oh, stop. There was nothing here we needed. We I'm curious. On. I wonder I, that is very interesting. What would the so if An you, NFL maybe what would have happened if if King George hadn't yeah. uh, hadn't been defeated? Sundays but, would look very different, wouldn't they? Yeah, um, yeah. I guess we would have all football. Hmm. hmm. 
That would be, I mean, all, I mean, not American football. We yes. would have all your Soccer. football. There would be no such thing as our football. Right. Oh, that sends a, a chill up my spine. Mine too. Yeah, I don't like that. It's weird. It does. You really miss, you know, you like to denounce this holiday. I remember a year ago you said that you don't acknowledge it. And because your family. I acknowledge it. I put up the the black curtains in the window. (laughs) How dare you? (laughs) And then what? I acknowledge it. Don't worry. Last year you went to a movie on Independence Day by yourself. We normally, yeah, we normally get a box of fireworks and then pour water all over them. You saw some, you saw some uh, subtitled uh, foreign fare, right? You you refused to see an American. To, to put any more money into the American machine. Exactly. Um, I'm really holding out here. You must be. You must be conflicted because you like our football better than your own, right? I mean, yes, we're, we're clear on that. Yep. Um, do you like hot dogs and hamburgers and I stuff? Do. Yeah. How do you know? Do people eat do hot like dogs? In, who looks, who, do people who eat hot dogs in in the UK? Yes. Hot, hot burgers more than hot dogs, obviously. Well, why? Obviously, I don't know why. I obviously, have... but but burgers are probably like. Well, actually, you have Germany nearby, so you would think you would eat bratwurst a lot, or you would eat uh, well, Lynx. I don't know if you heard, but there was this something went down between us. So know. is that right? So it's icy enough. The relationship between you and Germany is still icy enough that you don't eat their kind of food. I'm, not, I'm kidding about that, mostly. But do you uh, eat sauerkraut? No, you don't eat sauerkraut. No, is it, in no. the UK, do they have sauerkraut? <laughs> they do have it. Yes, it's available. <laughs> Uh, and, and the it's same with it is it's with the pretzels. But it's, um, but, well, pretzels are similar. Right? Is pretzel, like is that a German food? Yes. Is that where this comes from? Yeah. I had never done the math Of course on it is. That. I oh. never put two and two together. I can't believe that it's taken you both this long talking wow. about it at least once a week since, uh, <laughs> since we first met. What's your favorite thing about America besides our football? Um, the wonderful, warm, and welcoming people of America. Is that true? Yes. People in America are friendlier than they are over there? Oh, yeah. Everyone, every time I speak to anyone, they wish me a nice day. Really? Yeah. And their people aren't. It seems like people are cordial over there. Cheerio. Let's have a pint, eh? <laughs> yeah. Let's have it's a point, like, mate. It's just like that. Yeah. It yep. is. It seems like that. Italy, they're very friendly. Yes. They, In fact, they whistle and uh, snap at your ladies. You know, that's a term of good for the self-esteem of the ladies. Yep. All right. Well, listen, happy July 4th no, to everybody. Happy, same to you guys. Happy July 4th. Have a nice wiener. Have two wieners if, while you're at it. Black tie. Do you enjoy our nation? Down. What's your favorite thing? You're not a you're not a native of the U.S. What's your favorite thing about uh, America? The little you know about me, Damashek. Very little. You're not from here. What do you mean? I'm an international guy. I grew up. Oh, here I we go. Up, I know. That's what you like. Back to in Nigeria for a little while. I'm a, an, actually an Atlanta native. I was born there, and I've oh, been around know. a ton. Oh, so you're born in Atlanta? I was then born you in go Atlanta. Over to yes. So I yeah, I do celebrate July Fourth. All right. So you can't have a favorite thing about America? I would say just the 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 amount of effort, the money, and the industry that sports is in America, because you don't get that everywhere else. Mm, all mm. right. All right. I I go with. I think, like, I used to always say this about Bill Clinton back in the 90s. He was never in any room where he was anything less than the second smartest guy. I always liked that, that, you know, he would defer to an expert in a thing. But I always felt confident that if the, you know, the the heat were really on. Bill Clinton is a smart man. I also feel that way about Barack Obama. That doesn't say anything about my political leanings. I think other politicians are smart, too. But anyway... The point is, I like the idea of, I like the idea of, well, forget that. So, 
what, <laughs> what I like is what I like about America is this: is that we are the second. We are not worse than the second best at almost anything. There are people that are do, that do certain things better what than about us. Math and science. Oh, 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 oh back up! I, I'm interested to hear where this one's going. Well, not soccer. You're right. All soccer right. And, no. and some of the other things that we're not, but all the things like, that we well, are. Well, at well least I'm thinking best I, at, we're at least second. Well, best first at. of all, first, well, no. I'm we have, first of all, I'm starting with sports. There is no, there, uh, you know, soccer. obviously we do football and baseball and basketball better than anybody else. Right. Then food, food. Every all right, Italy makes Italian food, obviously, but no other nation makes Italian food as as good as we make it. Besides Italy, same. <laughs> That's right. Wow. That's exactly is, right. Is this really? I mean, this can't be happening. As you're as you're saying this, are you not like I who prob- makes better I prob- Italian food I don't than America? Disagree with you, but the are Italians. you not thinking I could have come up with something better than this to say why I like America? I'm. Oh, well, you know what? You're right. Maybe maybe that's an exaggeration to say it's, it's time my for favorite thing. Down. Just back maybe down it's my favorite thing about it. But it's among my favorite things. Right. I love. I love that. That's true of us. We we do. We represent all corners of the of the planet, and, and we do it okay. fairly so well. That's a better way of saying it. it's a multicultural, uh, a melting pot of no, a pe- it's global, going beyond globally. That. It's like, going beyond that. Like I'm talking about our food. Or- does it, listen? You might like. You might like. Uh, you know, certain. Nobody does movies better than America does, right? That's correct. All right. That's nobody right. does TV better than we do it, right? A lot of shows are filmed in Canada. All right, listen. Yeah. So, so BBC makes BBC the... makes some decent shows, but it doesn't overall trump American TV. I don't know. You would watch BBC if I said you could only watch BBC or I don't know what. You, I mean, a British TV. You would not choose British TV over American. I, I would. I don't. I, I highly doubt. I that. would not. No, especially the sports channels. It's... Well, we're not talking about you. I mean, presumably you're not talking about the sports channels. Otherwise, I'm in big trouble. All right. Well, listen. There's much to enjoy. I hope uh, you find a few things to celebrate on uh, on on this Independence Day here. And handsome, we really got to make this London trip happen. We, we get all we these yes. tweets about everything. Well, oh, we got to get over there for the There's Vikings and Steelers. A lot of people offering you hospitality. Dude. I know. Well, we'll have pints there. You know, that'll be terrific. I'd love to do that. We'll go out. It'll be you. It'll be me. It'll be Toby Gerhardt, and it'll be Emmanuel Sanders. The four of us will have a gale time, and if Rank joins in, I, Rank's holding the hands up. All right, you're welcome what the to join. What? Jeez. All right, you're welcome like to join us. Neil Dutton said I was his favorite, <laughs> our super fan, super fan Neil Dutton, citizen of the Czech Republic. Oh. I actually like stale bread. There, and, and there there's is. that. There, there he is, and and you well, can look for. We could all have a pint and some stale bread. Rank's new With nickname: Stale Bread. All right, so Rank. <laughs> let's before we get to uh, your interview with Jack Youngblood and then the Around the League Debate Club, very quickly. Well, not very. We take all the time you want. In fact, you're doing the football movie yep. showdown, the bracket, and I. So, what is say for us your favorite? What? Let's start there. What's your favorite football movie ever? Can't won't, tell us. Won't I be giving it away? Yeah, because I'm pretty much going to break it down to my. No, that's not true. Well, why? You're vo- it's the people voting on it. You can say Nobody's whatever you want. You're like Simon Cowell. You've not- turned oh. it over to the people. I've decided it for them. Oh, I thought people got to vote on no, it. Why so would that's I? What- why would I let them vote on? Listen, if you know one thing about the internet, people don't like to give their opinions unless they're completely informed. <laughs> And since <laughs> and since all of them have not seen every movie like I have, it's not fair for them to be put in that position. Then why did I have to put my vote out there? My I'm the expert on uniforms. Why are yeah. we asking everybody else? Because other people have eyes. 
and therefore they can look at, right. look at things. So not everyone I'm, has the time. I'm not Adam entirely comfortable with it, but I am a man of the people. A lifetime. So have your vote. Say, speak your piece. A lifetime of being grounded. Okay. So no, you, you gave do, me the chance to watch all these watch movies. That really is true. So yeah, I guess you don't have to say your favorite, but I think you're. Uh, approach to what is a football movie and what is not. To me, Jerry Maguire is a football movie. Yes. Right. It was on the list. I think, I know it was, but I felt like you were kind of on the fence about it. Nah, I, certainly a football movie. Is it crazy for me to say that that's my favorite? No, it's not crazy. I, I, because that's a wonder, those pages are wonderful. They're wonderful pages by Cameron Crowe. And I know it's not exactly a lot of football but it's good stuff the behind the scenes the business of it Rod i feel Tidwell's like that's probably a big enough character in it yes and i imagine it's a fairly legit um you know probably simple but but i imagine fairly legit look at what it's like to to be an agent and all that kind of stuff uh, so yeah and then pretty good football scene you know the, mm-hmm. for what little scenes we have although i do think that if he were knocked unconscious on the field for that long i bet you they would he wouldn't jump up and react in that way and people cheer people would be more bemused like what is going on on the field right now the guy was just laying there unconscious for 10 minutes now he's dancing somebody please put him in a straitjacket and get him out of here because he ain't right in the (laughs) head handsome hank favorite football movie the average human head weighs 12 pounds (laughs) that's my favorite line from uh from jerry Maguire. sorry about that uh, um, I recognized it. My, my <laughs> thanks for pointing that out. Yeah, I didn't know. Well, you looked at me so bemused that I, that's not the yeah right now. Um, my favorite football movie. I really like North Dallas Forty. We were just talking yep. about that. That's. I mean, when I was a kid back in the UK, I always wanted to you know get any football you could. I think we've talked before about like how the games were a week old, and we you know you'd watch them. They'd be great games because they'd pick the best one. Um, but any time I could get anything that was football related, I would. And I remember one late night, probably age like six or seven. It was definitely not the type of movie that I could have <laughs> been watching. But I was like, oh, there's something about American football. So I put my VHS cassette in and I recorded it. And then the next day, watched North Dallas Sporting. I was like, that's that. Google cool VHS movie. cassette it is tape. Good. Yes. But I, like you, I also watched it when I was way younger yeah. than I should have been. Yeah, that's right. I think I got a, uh, that movie got a little stink on it for me because I can't, didn't like the seediness of it when I watched it as a right. as a child. And uh, yeah, and then in future watchings, I started to like it. Another more. one was Heaven Can Wait, which I don't know is that a football movie? Really, yep. it kind of is, but it, I know it's on your on your list. It kind of is. That was another one where I was like, okay, this is something to do with football. I'll watch it, and I actually didn't particularly enjoy that one. Oh, shame on you! That's a great picture. I love that one. That's really a funny. Uh, movie with Charles Grodin in it there. is a good movie yeah, yeah. Um, Diane Cannon yeah dynamite stuff went very far in the tournament um, I you know now I'm thinking about it I have a new answer it is not Jerry Maguire and shame on me my correct the correct answer. you want to talk about the best football scenes ever this is cheating even is Black Sunday Black Sunday mm-hmm. is right. actually a terrorist attack yep. on Super Bowl 10 but the but the shots that they get they're because they're actually shooting at the Super Bowl, which is hard to imagine them making a movie now. They would never be have be able to dispatch that many well, cameras. Wait a second, they did it at the NFL draft this year. Yeah, well, so that's one different. To look forward to. The, Maybe it'll be in next year's bracket. Yeah, but they can't. But they're not actually shooting at an actual game in some of all years, are they? Was it? 
Well, but this is the Super Bowl. But either way, so they're on the field getting all these all these scenics, and it's unbelievable the, the, because you've uh, Super Bowl ten for an early game has as many iconic plays as as you'll write. You know, the, that's the Lin Swan falling mm-hmm. over the DB at midfield and all those. And seeing them from that angle in a movie is fascinating stuff. Now, for football scenes that were created specifically for the movie. I will go with all the right moves. I think Rifleman, the quarterback in that, it throws the ball. And, in fact, I think he was a replacement guy. I'm pretty sure he was a legit replacement guy. He has the best-looking throwing motion and as someone who, Are you sure it was him, though? Because, like, Brian Mann was a backup quarterback for the Avengers. He uh, he played Adam Sandler's stunt double in uh, the remake of uh, The Longest Yard. He also did a, a, another one of those. It might have been the game. It probably wasn't the game plan because he's not the same body type as The Rock. So, But he was in another one of those movies. Well, they'll get replacement you know, guys who play in the mm-hmm. AFL or things like that to do it. And you're absolutely right about all the right moves. And if you look at it compared to a movie like Any Given Sunday, and I know a lot of people like Any Given Sunday. I can't imagine but, that. It's so weird to me that people like that movie. It's so dreadful. Their football scenes are so cartoonish, so over the top. They don't add to the story where every football scene and all the right moves is a critical part of the of the plot, yeah, especially it's, uh, and it, right, and you buy those scenes, even though yeah, that, dark I'm not, and gritty. Yeah, it's it's played in the mud and everything. And even it's even plausible that you buy as you're watching this that Tom Cruise would be a decent uh, defensive back, and yeah. he intercepts a pass and returns it for a touchdown and all that kind of stuff. I don't want to ruin too much. Have really? you seen this movie? I Hansel have May? seen it. Yeah, there are no spoilers. That's my you won't have seen it. It's so, so they're from Ampipe. They're from Ampi, PA. It's supposed to be Aliquippa or Hopewell right. or a steel town like uh, where Bo Damashek and uh, that side of the family. And that was you, gritty Me. Damashek, mean streets of Pittsburgh. Returning, <laughs> I wasn't um, allowed to play football, no. but otherwise, yes, that was pretty right. much my life. Um, yeah, that, that's great stuff. The only thing that's weird about that is is that they have a play by play announcer on the PA at the big game. They do that for all those movies. It's weird. Like uh, it's second Blues. and seven with the time. You know, it's like well, that does not happen at the game, but. Yeah, Yes. Otherwise, I think the football scenes are sort of plausible. One little movie quirk that I love is same thing you see in commercials these days. Every for for twenty years at least, anytime they needed B roll, you know, uh, video to support whatever is going on, and and again in a, a movie or whatever. Oh, it's on the TV. Oh yeah, we're watching the big game on TV, and it's on in the background. They would always use because it's hard to clear. NFL games and college football mm-hmm. games, you know, the licensing for those gets to be expensive. So all movies and TV shows and commercials always would use USFL footage, yep. which was funny. Or you see a lot of CFL stuff as well. Some, yeah, you would see some CFL, but USFL first, became right. very cheap apparently right. at some point because you would always see it was. I mean, in almost everyone, you would see those Memphis showboats, the red jerseys yep. and the silver pants, and everything. Well, the HBO series first and ten, they use the uniforms of the LA Express, right. and they use the LA Express. That's exactly footage. right. That's. I find these. I find that interesting. And then recently, now you 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 see it's not from the movie the replacements, but you see those Avengers or not Avengers, but whatever the name of the team was Sentinels, the Sentinels, you see those jerseys those everywhere. Jerseys. So they must've just been like, Hey, you know, hey, a we'll, warehouse. we'll give them to you cheap. No, no, no. It's here in Culver city. Is that right? You can, I've been in that place cause uh, we needed props for something. And I walk in, I'm like, Oh, there's the, uh, there's the, uh, replacement so now you see uniforms. that all the time. The weirdest one I've ever noticed is in lethal weapon 
when Riggs and Murtaugh just shoot the guy in the pool up in the hills, you know, they, mm-hmm. they shoot the body and falls on the plastic or the pool cover or whatever. Then they're back inside getting warmed up and night has fallen and they're in blankets kind of they're talking about their next plan or whatever. In on the screen in the background, inexplicably, is the Pitt Penn State game played in Pitt Stadium in 1977 in a snowstorm. The field is covered in snow. It's un it, it's unmistakable if you know what that game looked like, the blue jerseys and gold pants on Pitt and the all whites on uh, on Penn State. Why that game? It's so weird. It's a, it is so bizarre Get the that DVD. that is the thing uh, that that's what's on the screen. Get the DVD extras. They're probably explaining that the producer was I from I bet that's right. Some- I bet somebody uh, producer or something was from Pittsburgh or from Penn State or whatever. Uh, very interesting. Before we wrap up and get to get to that, Rank, something that we talked about when you weren't here uh, last week. At, somebody sent a great tweet. I wish I had the name of the guy who sent it. But Oh, no, it was a call. It was when we took calls. That's what mm-hmm. it was. And he asked Clint if, from Indiana. Clint, Clint from Indiana oh, yeah, asked, Clint. if all the action heroes got into a fight, who would win it? Now. We're not talking superheroes because they have powers. Okay. And I say just for to keep it clean, don't answer with Batman or Daredevil. They're human beings, but don't use them. And Jordan. Wow. Well, see, yeah, like you can't Again. go. You can't go there. Same thing with like I don't know if Han Solo. Those are all superheroes. That's exactly what you just. I said. I just said we can't use them. No. Why did you have to? I said they're human, but I want to keep it. Cl- I just think it's a it, they're super powered and everything. And then also, same thing, like Han Solo is a human being, I suppose, but he's in space, and so don't involve We don't him. know that he's good at hand-to-hand yeah, combat. He's not an act- I don't I mean, think he would do well, wise. but when we discussed it, I am embarrassed that I left uh, Dr. Indiana Jones off. Not that he would ultimately win, but he obviously deserves does a nod. Does he get to use the whip? Um, yeah, as does Martin Riggs. Martin Riggs also deserves a shout-out. Yes. Well, this, is Flash Gordon a superhero? He's a superhero, but he's the quarterback of the New York Jets. I know, but he's in space, and I think we can discount him because he wouldn't win. I'm just going to say to keep it clean. We can throw him in a, there, but it's moot. He beat a bunch of aliens. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. So good. Jason Bourne, obviously, he's got to be Jason Bourne was my answer. I feel I, like I, that was the I'm consensus well. pretty much. Jason yeah. Statham from the one with the guy. And he He's got to be thing. right. It's the same character, but yeah, that's every what character. To be clear, we're talking character. We're not talking the actor who plays him. Right. I understand. But Jason Statham is 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 He's the same character. Bizarrely, played the same character in everything. I don't remember Jean Claude Van Damme's what name about, uh, in the movie. I was it was it Bloodsport or the yeah. other one where he dips his knuckles to fight Tong Po. And they dip their knuckles in, in glue, and then they dip them in glass shards, which seems like a losing proposition for everyone involved. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to – even that's if you win, you're, that's marginal. To, you just have yeah. glass shards glued to, to, your, your hand. to your – yeah, probably isn't going to be probably good. don't actually need to glue them as well. Can what I was, tell you uh, another – what, <laughs> what was Jackie Chan's character's name in uh, Rumble in the Bronx? No idea. I don't was, know those Jackie that guy was Chan awesome. movies. I – but look. We're talking killers, and here's the thing. He's not a. He's awesome. I'm going Beatrix Kiddo. How about that one from uh, from Kill Bill? That's what they have in common. Porter from Payback. I never saw Payback either. Oh. Here's what. Here's listen. Here's why I think Jason Bourne and Beatrix Kiddo would win out over everybody else, and who would win that showdown is tough. But I'll say those two are at the top because not unlike the Steelers of the '70s. Versus all other dynasties, you can talk about the Niners of the 90s and the Cowboys of the 2000s or whatever, or the or the 90s and the Patriots of the 2000s. 
But here's what it is. The Steelers, they beat all the other dynasties in the 70s. The 70s Dolphins and Cowboys and Raiders, they still stood head and shoulders above. Didn't the 49ers do that? No. Same way. They didn't? Same way with Jason Bourne and Beatrix Kiddo. These are the greatest killers on the face of the earth dispatched expressly to kill them, and they keep on beating them all. That's why. Even amongst all these titans, they still went out. Those are your two best. How say you, Rank? Savvy. All right. You want to get the Jack Youngblood, don't you? Yes, he's on the phone. Give a final answer? He's on the phone. Fine. I'll leave. You have your time with Jack Youngblood. Say hello to number 85 for me. Meantime, happy July 4th to all you listeners out there. Happy 4th of July to Black Tie. I hope 2013 and 2014 treat you better than apparently what life is treated because to whatever it is i hope i get out of your crosshairs because whatever i've done to cross you i'd like it to end and well, I, I i hope you can stop talking let's get this right that's fine let's get to it handsome hank you enjoy your holiday and with that being said we'll be back next week with more fun and excitement in the meantime thanks so much football fans it's been a thin slice of heaven take it away adam rank David, thank you so much. That's right. It's time for the Adam Ray Gridiron Podcast for Kids with a very special guest. I have got to admit, I own three football jerseys. One is Tommy Maddox from the LA Extreme. Two of them are from this man joining us right now, Jack Youngblood of the Los Angeles Rams. Jack, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Adam, I'm, I'm well. I'm well. I'm, I'm better than I deserve, that's for sure. <laughs> I better than I better than I deserve to be quite honest with you. I, I feel that I am not worthy to talk to the Hall of Famer, the guy who I consider the greatest defensive lineman in Rams history. I know that's up for debate. One gentleman who might be considered the best of all times, Deacon Jones, just recently passed. What are your remembrances of the great one? Well, you know the the, the story goes like this: is that you know I'm uh, a kid drafted out of the University of Florida in 1971. Uh, first round draft choice, uh, and I, I really had to I had to think about it. where was I going? You know, where where is this that I've just got uh, uh, drafted by? And I realized it's Deacon Jones and Merlin Olson and the fearsome foursome. And I'm thinking to myself, this is going to be a short trip. <laughs> I'm glad I took a job at the bank and, and, and told him, told him I'd, I'd see him in about three months. <laughs> But Deacon, I tell you, what a, what a tremendous football player he was. He changed. The, he's an icon of defensive linemen. There's no question in my mind. He um, he literally, I give him I, I give him all, all all credit for putting his arm around some 21 year old coming out of out of the University of Florida, not really understanding what it took to play in the National Football League, and taught me how to play. Not knowing that I was going to step into his shoes literally um, in 1972, they, they traded Beacon that, that, that next year, and um, you know, but but I did play. I had, he got injured. I played in his shoes uh, for eight ball games. I started eight ball games that rookie year, and and um, realized not only was I filling some tremendous shoes, and, and I had to I had to uphold that style of play. But also, I had the responsibility 
to play like Beacon did next to Merlin Olson. Mm-hmm. Probably the finest, best defensive lineman that's ever that's ever put on a pair of shoes. And uh, so I, I I learned in a hurry that there were some large responsibilities here, and you better you better live up to them. Another player whose shoes you had to fill, or actually his number you had to fill, because you wore the unusual number of eighty five, which is unusual for a defensive end. But that was the number that Lamar Lundy, another famed member of the Fearsome Foursome War, what did you think? Did they hand that number to you, or did you choose it? Well, that's, uh, that's, another, that's another good story, I think. And I, I tell it like this, and that you know, I'm, I'm flying out for the first rookie camp, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, I, I, you know I'd, never, I'd never flown to California before in my life. And, I'm, and on the way, I'm thinking, well, you know, I wonder what number you know, the Rams are going to give me. You know, I was 74 in in, uh, in college, and so I'm thinking, well, maybe you know, maybe the equipment man will give me number 74. <laughs> I walk into the dressing room that first that first day that I get there, and Mr. Don Hewitt, who was our equipment man, who was who was the best in the business, and he had he had the, the, the locker room dressed up and had all of, all the, the starter players with their jersey and pants, and they were hanging outside of their locker. Well, of course. Who's the first jersey I see? Number seventy-four, Merlin Olson. <laughs> and I go, well, I don't guess I'm gonna get seventy-four. <laughs> well, at least it saved you the embarrassment of asking for it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, actually, actually, Mr. Don Hewitt um, was was in charge of uh, uh, you know giving the numbers to to the new players coming into the ball game. And so he decided you were going to wear number 85. Did you did you have any apprehension to it at all? No. I just I just realized that, uh, that there again there's uh, there's some, there's a responsibility to play well when you're uh, when you're representing a number or someone who has who had played so well and was a, was was one of the foundations of of the uh, Pearson Force. So if you're going to talk about the all-time, you guys have had so many great linemen over the year because after you retired, then Kevin Green came along. So we we got a lot as LA Rams fans. We had a lot of guys to look over. Who is it? Let's let who is the number one guy? I know you mentioned Merlin Olson a second ago. Is he the number one of the of the defensive players for the Rams? We've got we've got a one and one A. It's, in my mind, it's 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 it's, uh, it's Merlin and Deacon, um, and then. And then you got you've got you got the, the, the likes of Larry Brooks, um, um, oh the kid who played um, played in, in St. Louis. Um, big senior uh, moment going on here. We don't All count right. we don't count the St. Louis guys, anyways. We'll talk right. we'll talk That's Nolan Cromwell. We'll talk Eddie Meter. We'll we'll bring up any of those guys. The St. Louis guys, we can leave them off. Well, I tell you, Nolan, Nolan probably was the best athlete I've ever played to. And uh, you know it's, it's a shame that he, uh, you know, he injured that knee. I think in his sixth or seventh year, mm-hmm. and didn't get to, to finish what he had he had started. Uh, what a what a tremendous not only a, not only a great football player but a tremendous person. I mean, he's he's one of the special ones. Yeah, and he was a defensive player that went on to coach offense. I think it was for the Packers. So and he was a college quarterback too. So he had he had both sides of the football down. He did, he did, and that's uh, that, that's a that's a tribute to a to a fine, well-educated, smart, football savvy you know person who can who can, who can 
do all of those things at uh, you know at the same time. We had a bunch of guys who could do a lot of different things, not only in football but also in the movies too. And I was uh, watching Heaven Can Wait recently. And I'll say I like the ending of Heaven Can Wait. I like the ending of that Super Bowl a lot better than Super Bowl fourteen. But I will say, where was your cameo? Deacon was in it. Where was where was Jack Youngblood? I think you needed to be in that movie. Wasn't was that filmed in 1972? No, no, no. That was filmed in like 78. Was it in 78? Okay. Um, I don't know. I, I guess I was too ugly to be on the, you know, be on the screen. I'm not, I don't know. That is not the case. I will not accept that answer. Uh, I, you know, I had, I, I did not delve into that that part of Los Angeles until later on into in the career and, and then afterwards a little bit. Um, I probably should have, uh, you know, tried more because then you know Merlin after after his announcing days, you know, he was Father Murphy and did such a tremendous job with that. Deke was in, you know. Dozens of different films, and Abe was in films, and you know Rosie, and I mean all of the all the well-known names were were somehow connected to that Hollywood. Yeah, Fred Dreyer went on to be to be Hunter. Oh, that, wow. If anybody should have been Hunter, it should have been you. <laughs> Freddie did a pretty good job, man. You got to you got to admit, his, his Scrapper, which is his locker room name, Scrapper was uh, was a pretty good. Pretty good lawman. He did pretty well. He also, I don't know if you know this, and this will probably be interesting to just three of us, but he also was supposed to be Sam Malone in Cheers, but turned that down to play Hunter, which, eh, could have gone either well, way. Yeah, yeah, six to one, half dozen the other. <laughs> <laughs> but you got to remember now, Freddie had a pretty good-looking pretty good looking sidekick there for, for a number of years. I think he did better. Yes, Stephanie Kramer. I think was you know what I would I would put her ahead of Shelley Long if you're into that kind of thing. Absolutely. Which I think that we are okay. And also speaking of those Los Angeles Rams, I did read something. Now we're we're taping this on uh, a Monday early in the week. The CVC in St. Louis said that they don't want to pay the seven hundred million to refurbish the dome up there. Of course, this will start speculation that perhaps. The Rams could be coming home to Los Angeles. Don't you think it's about time that we get a football team out here? I think the Rams would be the perfect team, but what do you say? Well, uh, there's several things. I, I look at it from from the business side. I, I was you know in the front office and, and ran some World League teams and look at things now from from the financial perspective. Um, somebody's got to build a billion dollar stadium. Mm-hmm. You've got to you got to you got to build something that is accessible. Los Angeles will not accept something that is that is that is not accessible on Sundays, and where that is, I have no idea. But um, that's the, that's the first step that has to be taken. I I firmly know that that the commissioner wants to bring in a new franchise. That's that's his job mm-hmm. is to is to maximize the revenue for the for the league, and a, a franchise moving does not do that. So. Uh, there's some bumps in the road still with with getting some uh, some franchise into into Los Angeles again. Mm-hmm. And the Rams in 1983, everybody remembers it as the quarterback class. John Elway goes number one, all the way down to 27. Dan Marino goes. Rams did pretty good. Got Eric Dickerson, Hall of Famer. D 
Do you think, though, when you look back look back in hindsight, if they were redoing that draft today, do you think the Rams, I'm going to say we, do you think we would have been better off with Dickerson? Or do you kind of think what might have happened if Dan Marino would have been wearing the uh, blue and gold of the Los Angeles Rams? Well, it would have been a different world, that's for sure. But you got to remember now, we, we, we finally, in 1982, we made a, we made a deal to get Burt Jones. Right, and that, and I, I just, I just thank the good Lord when I heard that news uh, in in springtime that that Burt was coming because Burt could play the game, and he was the kind of, of quarterback that could take this football team that was fundamentally sound already and push him over over the top. Um, and then, unfortunately, he got injured in I think the fifth ball game of the season, and and uh, we were back to where we had been, you know, years, you know. Trying to, trying to find a quarterback who could, who could play the game. Yes, going to the CFL and getting Dieter Brock and things like that. A whole bunch of, of, of cast of characters who came through. And we've talked about this before. And we and I don't want to bring it up again, but, you know, you talk about that, the quarterback position. You know, I, so many times, one of the, the earliest memories I have of being in, in Anaheim Stadium is you look at the Rams of those eras against the 49ers of those eras, and I will tell anybody who will listen, 21 on 21, we are just as good as the 49ers, except that team had Joe Montana. So you had that going on. But I did want to bring, I did want to ask you one more one more thing. We had Greg Schiano on the show earlier today. Now, he made waves last year as a rookie coach when they kind of charged the the offensive line, who were, the Giants were in the kneel down position going, you know, and they kind of went after the Giants, you know, tried to extend the game. What was your take on that? Do you think that's the appropriate thing to do, or do you think it was kind of a classless thing? Classless, in my opinion. That's that, that's just a that's just a, a a not fundamental, but something that is that is just uh, everyone in the National Football League understands that situation, and you understand where you know where you are. It, it, it's it, it's nice. It's it's more of the college perspective mm-hmm. than it is from the from the perspective. And speaking of professional, you're a part of this settlement that's coming out with the NFL. Can you get us up to date what's happening with that? Well, the good part about this is, uh, Adam, is that uh, this is the first opportunity that we have had uh, since the beginning of uh, the National Football League for the players to own their their image rights. And the, the the basic settlement is for us to have that opportunity and then go and and market that and sell those image rights and then create we've created a we create a fund to try and to assist the players that, that really need some assistance. And the number one thing that needs to be done is to have health insurance for retired players. You know, they, they, these players coming out today, I think they, they, they still have I think they have five years under Cobra once they're out of the ball game. Mm-hmm. We did too. We did too back in the back in the eighties, and uh, that changed in in '93. So the, the, the most, number one thing that is probably the, the, the most devastating for any family and the in the in the players who played pre '93 is health insurance. You have two hip replacements and a knee, a shoulder, you know, whatever. You can go bankrupt just from having those type of situations. 
and this that's the assistance that we're going to try and, and create and, and and not be a band-aid but be a, a legitimate answer to some of these some of the uh, uh, the needs of our players a worthwhile endeavor. Well, Jack, you know what? Uh, I want to thank you for your time today. I want to thank you for uh, letting me walk down this trip down memory lane with you. And uh, I'm going to be in Canton. I hope you're going to be out there at the end of the month for the Hall of Fame. Are you going to be there? You don't miss those. Okay. Once, you don't miss them. Once, once you've, uh, you've you've been inducted to that to that special group, you uh, you always return because it's such a such a great time and and what an honor. It's an honor to be part of that all right well i will look forward to seeing you out there jack so thank you so much for joining us today and uh be good you bet you bet you too and there he goes the great jack youngblood and now it's time for the atl debate club take it away flames Thanks, Dave, and welcome to another ATL Debate Club. I don't even know what this is really anymore because it's like the Rich Eisen podcast when there's no Rich Eisen. I'm Greg Rosenthal. Chris Wesseling is alongside. We, we are missing Mark Sessler and Dan Hansis this week. What's up, Chris? It's not the same without Mark and Dan. I feel I feel like this is going to set up an adversarial relationship here that they think we're, we're coming for their jobs, but just with vacations and schedule, this is, this is how it's rolling this week, and... We're going to get into some training camp previews, just three weeks away from training camp, Chris. And there's a lot of things that you can't learn from training camp. You can't look at the Miami Dolphins and think, okay, uh, you know, their defense, are they coming together? I see a lot of previews for training camps and things like that. It's like, are they going to do this or that? You can't really learn that much, but there are certain things that you can learn. What do you look for in training camps? I think position battles, number one, uh, how the rookies are coming along, number two, and how guys are returning from injuries. That would be the third big thing. Yeah, I think you have to look who's getting snaps. That's what matters. You're not going to learn much about the stars. Uh, I'm not going to learn much based on who's just looking good in practice. You can learn who's on the first team, who's on the second, the quarterback battles, and, and all the questions that are going into it. And there's not a team. We're going to preview the AFC North and the AFC East today. And there might not be a team that we talk about today with more questions than the Super Bowl defending champion Baltimore Ravens. It's very different to me. Can you think of another defending champion? I'm not saying I don't like everything that happened with them this off season, but can you think of another defending champion that goes into the season with so many roster holes, so, so many question marks? No, I think that's a fact. I think that no Super Bowl defending champion has lost as many starters as the Ravens have. And what are you looking for in the training camp from them? I would say primarily two things. Who is replacing Anquan Bolden opposite Torrey Smith? Uh, it looks like they want Jacoby Jones to kind of transition from kickoff returner to the number two guy. It seems like such a bad idea, doesn't it? It does. I, and, <laughs> you know, Ozzie Newsom has this history of kind of relying on his young guys and then maybe going out and getting a Bolden or a Lee Evans at the last possible minute once the guys prove they're not ready. And they, that may happen again this year. They, they are a team to watch for. They're really good at that. They got Bryant McKinney late in the mix. They've, they've, they're good at bringing in veterans. And I think the guy who at wide receiver, Jacoby Jones, you know, I know we put him in the top 100 players, but let's be real. That's not a starting wide receiver. If he's your third guy, that's okay. And the rest of the list is what? David Reed, Tandon Doss. 
uh, Deontay Thompson. It it's struggling to come up with a good wide receiver on that team. And people think, oh, okay, the tight ends, they'll they'll take care of it. Dennis Pitt is a good tight end. I don't know if he's a top 10 NFL tight end. Ed Dixon's a good player. I don't think you're winning games with Dennis Pitta and Ed, Ed Dixon. My guess is Pitta will be the most targeted receiver in that offense this year. Torrey Smith would be the number one taking on the top cornerbacks and getting double teams. But Pitta will probably draw the most targets. We've seen Jacoby Jones tried as a starter before, and the Texans decided that was a bad idea. I'm not sure how that's changed a couple of years later. Well, they they gave Joe Flacco a lot of money, and I think this is the year. You know, he won the Super Bowl last year. He needs to play like he did in the playoffs for the whole season. He needs to show that he's that kind of level quarterback because I think that's what it's going to take to raise up all these players when you also have a lot of questions on defense too. I mean, who who's starting an inside linebacker? Is it going to be the rookie Arthur Brown for sure? Coming back from injury, Lardarius Webb. Uh, who else is going to be starting at cornerback? Uh, there's a lot of open positions on this team. Safety, you're counting on a rookie and Michael Huff. Uh, rookie Matt Elam, Michael Huff to come in. There, there's a lot of questions throughout the roster. Yeah, I think Elam could be the most important rookie in that division. Uh, you know, filling Ed Reed's shoes is not going to be easy for him. And then, you know, Arthur Brown looks good, but... Jameel McLean, I believe, still hasn't been cleared from that neck injury from last season, so they do have plenty of questions at linebacker. Yeah, it's it's a team in transition on defense. I think they can improve a lot. I think they can contend, but people just uh, counting on them. They're really going to be a different Ravens team this year. It's going to be a different Steelers team. This is a different division than it has been in the past, and I, I've been on record here. I like the Steelers this year to surprise but it's a different Steelers roster. What are you watching in that training camp? They're kind of in the same range with the Ravens as far as the questions at wide receiver. They just have no depth there. Uh, You know, Emmanuel Sanders has a pretty checkered injury history. I don't know if we want to rely on him staying healthy for 16 games. And then behind him, you have the rookie Wheaton. I don't know. Jarek. Jericho Cotri. Throw Plaxico into the mix. No Plaxico? I'm not sure Plaxico makes the roster. Uh, yeah, that's fair. I mean, I, I think he probably does now. Uh, I think he probably is just the guy you kind of keep around and maybe he'll be inactive and they, they trust. They seem to trust him enough that you put him in. Uh, wide receivers aren't my worry there. I mean, I think Ben Roethlisberger, as long as he's healthy, coming off knee surgery in the passing game, the way it was looking last year, the offensive line looks like it could be a strength. I'm more interested in looking at who wins these battles on defense and who steps up. They have a lot of guys that have been in that system for a while that that we haven't really seen step up. Right. I think uh, can Cortez Allen play as well as Keenan Lewis did last year? Lewis was basically their best cornerback by the end of the year. That's a big one. Um, Jason Worlds and and Jarvis Jones, who wins that battle? And can they play as well as James Harrison? Probably not in the run game, but they may be able to get to the passer. And and can Le'Veon Bell, who they drafted to be their running back, be their running back? That's probably the battle people are going to be most watching, fantasy football players for sure, whether it's Bell first down, second down, and third down right away, or whether it's going to be a mix. Like I think they want Bell to win the job. They wouldn't take him there. They don't really want Jonathan Dwyer or Isaac Redmond to be the guy, but... We always just kind of, you know, slot rookies like a bell in there and say, okay, now that's solved. But it doesn't it doesn't work like that. He might be Eric Shelton 2.0. Yeah, right. I mean, what are the odds that he knows the pass protections well enough that they're going to feel more comfortable with him than Isaac Redman on third downs? Uh, to me, I think Redman will probably open the season as their third down guy and maybe even short yardage. 
I think if you're looking for a team to lead the league in, oh, we're angry this year because we didn't make the playoffs and a lot of articles about how, oh, the, the Steelers have an edge about them this year, I, I think that's your team. And I don't really buy into all of that, but I do buy into great organizations don't have bad years back-to-back seasons. And that was an unlucky Steelers team. That was a pretty good team that was very unlucky with Roethlisberger's injury and a lot of close losses, and I, I think they're set up to bounce back. A lot of people aren't going to pick them to win the division, though, because they think the Cincinnati Bengals are ready to step up. Your Cincinnati Bengals, <laughs> let's hear what you have to say about your team. Uh, you know, I have this overwhelming ambivalence about the Bengals. Uh, Wes I, tries to pretend that he's not a Bengals fan. Uh, he's he's grew up in Cincinnati, right? You're have, a diehard Bengals fan. I have a soft spot for the 1980s-era Bengals, but... Uh, it was unrequited love, and I've been a little bit apathetic about the Bengals since about 1997. I feel like you're just a bitter kind of ex-lover, because when you write about them or you talk about there's some anger there. But I feel <laughs> if they just treat you nicely for a year or two, and it's kind of getting that way. I mean, they've been in the playoffs a couple of years. they made a lot of good draft picks. Give Mike Brown a little bit of love for the last few years. Uh, he hasn't been entirely brutal he's been drafting well <laughs> what more do you want out of these drafts i mean every year they're getting a couple good starters well like you said it is unrequited love there are some hurt feelings there i'm gonna need a lot i'm gonna see a, a lot more from him in the next few years before i give him another chance but i am interested i think you know they clearly needed more playmakers outside of ag aj green and geo bernard and tyler eifert are very interesting guys to see how the Bengals are going to use them. They're talking about Eifert lining up all over the place and Bernard playing some wide receiver. So these guys are two two of the biggest wild cards in, in that division. I want to see how much that opens up the offense and whether Dalton can get out of his bad habits of holding on to the ball too long, uh, letting the rush come to him. So to me, those are, those are the issues with the Bengals that I want to see. And I, and I think in camp you can learn things about rookies, not just about the snaps, but you know, how much are the coaches going to trust Bernard and Eifert? You assume Eifert's going to be in there, but is he going to be on the field every down as a starter so that they don't really have a second wide receiver? Maybe it's Hawkins in the slot sometimes because they don't really have a logical guy there. I, I know there'll be a competition for snaps, but I think Eifert's the guy to step in. And then Bernard, how much is he going to be on the field? What What do you think is going to happen with him? I think we always tend to, like you mentioned earlier, we tend to overstate how much of an impact running backs are going to have because of pass protection issues, because the veterans get the benefit of the doubt. My guess is he's going to be kind of a change of pace guy and a, and a trick play guy, and, a, and there'll be a few packages for him, but I, I would imagine Green Ellis will open the season as the starter and play on early downs. I mean, they need explosive plays, so I think he has to be on the field. I'm also going to watch out for their safety. It seems like every year they're kind of trying out people. Taylor Mays, probably not really a, a starter caliber guy on a very good defense. Uh, what they're going to do with the perfect, I think he's going to stay at, at weak side, but it's something to keep uh, an eye on in terms of who they brought in. Uh, I can't believe we're doing this conversation. I just realized uh, AFC North, Cleveland Browns are next, and Sessler's not here. I uh, know, it's a shame. I feel like it. I feel like they're going to hold this against us next week when they come back and are in the mix that we did it with the Browns. I mean, it just seems like we kind of went out of our way to stick it to Sessler. So, if you're listening, we're sorry about that, Mark. Uh, what are you watching for for the Browns in this team? Well, what we mentioned Sessler, and he he had mentioned yesterday how bitter he was about Trent Richardson 
Yeah. He loves Trent Richardson. The coverage or how it went last year? He loves Trent Richardson, but you can tell he just doesn't trust him to stay healthy yet, and that kind of seeping into his thoughts. So I guess that, like, is is Trent Richardson healthy after sitting out OTAs? That's that's a good question because he's their most important offensive player. We we get into the daily conversation of camp, and we'll get into it. We'll have daily summary articles. We'll have news all day. Uh, we're going to be podcasting up as much as we possibly can. But it's not really so much about who's practicing well. It's who's healthy. And it's also who's getting snaps. And I think that's the big thing for Richardson is obviously just showing uh, that he's healthy. It's also about the preseason a little bit. You don't want to overrate preseason numbers. But I think Brandon Whedon is someone that you want to just watch in the preseason. Just how is it going in Norv Turner's office? I'm not saying you're going to think he's great if he does well, but but you want to see some progress out of him in the preseason. I think he's someone that the preseason is very important for. Exactly, and I think this is the forgotten quarterback competition. It's Effic- not a, it's officially, not a it's a competition, though. right? I don't think so. No. I mean, they pretty much they. I think they want it to be a competition, and then they didn't find anyone better to sign than Jason Campbell and Brian Hoyer or draft or, and they just decided, all right, it's going to be a year with Whedon. No, I agree with that. I just. It seemed like they were billing it as a competition and nobody was buying it as such. Well, Whedon, is, there's no competition for Whedon in terms of what coaches he like. I mean, he's basically thrown Pat Shermer under the bus very quietly in a very professional sort of veteran. This is what you would expect out of, 30, out of a 39-year-old rookie. Uh, you know, Brandon Whedon, <laughs> Brandon Whedon says that Norv Turner and that offense, he's a thousand times more excited about it than he was a year ago. And it does fit his skill set. I watched every single throw Whedon make. I think he's got a chance to be an average quarterback, but I don't know if, if his ceiling is any higher than, than a Jake DeLome type of guy. Yeah, I think that's a good comparison. His skill set definitely fits the Norv Turner, Rob Chudzinski vertical attacking down the field offense. And he's not a dink and dunk West, West Coast offensive guy, which is what Pat Shermer was running. And they My- finally have some wide receivers. As long as Josh Gordon can stay on the field. <laughs> right. Uh, he won't be on the field to start the season, but he, he will be there for training camp. Let's switch to the uh, AFC East. And uh, the the logical first team is, of course, the, the New England Patriots. And, you know, we talked about Hernandez on the podcast at length last week. But it does create a different sort of training camp, not because of the media coverage, but just because of who is going to step into that role? And, and camp is meaningful for Bill Belichick. Uh, he does not evaluate in, in OTAs. He says it all. That's, that's just the time for teaching. Training camp's time for evaluating. And I've seen it over the years. Guys get cut off the Patriots that you assume were going to make the team because they had a bad camp. And guys end up playing a lot of snaps because they had a very good camp. Who do you think steps up out of this whole group? And how, how do they replace those tight ends early in the season, assuming Gronkowski is out. Well, I don't think we can assume that they're going to run these two tight end sets with somebody just stepping into the Aaron Hernandez role. There's nobody on on their roster who is like Aaron Hernandez. My guess is you will see Shane Vereen used a little bit more. We're going to see Julian Edelman and uh, Danny Amendola at wide receiver. The, the rookies are kind of wild cards. We don't know yet what we're getting from Aaron Dobson or Boyce. So those guys are kind of wild cards, but I think the guys I'm most interested in watching are how they're going to use Shane Vereen and Julian Edelman. And I think Vereen's going to be a big factor this year. I think the whole running game is going to have to be the focal point of that offense. And then, oh, by the way, you still have Tom Brady at quarterback. Uh, 
if you have a third and five and, and you're being a little more conservative than you were a year ago, you still have a quarterback you trust. And I think they're going to count on that defense to be a little better. A lot of spots open in that secondary. Uh, that really has to play itself out, whether it's cornerback, safety. There's a lot of questions there. Uh, but I think there are room for guys like Dobson, like Boyce, like Donald Jones, someone to step up and, and take some snaps there. The New York Jets offense, I mean, we talk about problems for the Patriots offense, but it's all it's all relative. I mean, they, they've <laughs> shown they can adapt, right? I mean, they've shown they can adapt over the years, and they have Tom Brady at quarterback. It's not like they don't have any talent. So we'll be watching to see. First of all, we don't know how healthy Gronkowski is going to be when he's going to be back, but we know he will be back eventually. We think so, at least. The Jets don't have that sort of guy coming back. They have Santonio San Holmes injured, but they don't have a guy to run the whole ship that really makes a lot of sense. And, and that quarterback battle is probably going to be one of the biggest stories, you know, in the entire NFL this preseason. Yeah, if if the Browns quarterback battle is the one that's forgotten about, the Jets is the one that's kind of uh, most overplayed in the media. You're part of the media now. <laughs> I know. So what? We, you you think we're doing too many Jets posts, or? Well, I don't know that. I don't know that Mark Sanchez's opinion on whether he's the starter matters. <laughs> Rex Ryan's opinion matters. <laughs> well, what do you think what's Rex Ryan's opinion is going to be then by the end of this my, thing? My guess is Mark Sanchez will be under center, and he's going to play a lot better than he did last year. Well, that's not that bold, that he's going to play better. Uh, that he's behind center, a little bolder, but it's hard to have an $8 million backup. It really People say ignore the finance. You can't ignore the finances. The finances are the reason that Mark Sanchez is on the roster. There's no other reason other than he's guaranteed that money. So I think that's an absolute big factor. I think if you read between the lines of what Jets coaches were saying towards the end of OTA, it just sounded like it's going to be an uphill battle for Geno Smith to have that week one starting job. They were starting to lower expectations subtly, but you can you can read between the lines of the position coaches, and I, I agree with you. I think Sanchez ends up being the week one starter. And to me, this is an important battle to watch because I don't see why this team can't be in the mix just like any team. I mean, why can't they be an 8-8 eight and eight team? They can be, and what's interesting to me is setting up the battle between Rex Ryan and John Idzik. Hmm. Their, their interests are polar opposites in the quarterback situation. Idzik doesn't have any interest in seeing Sanchez play well for a year, but Rex Ryan needs to keep his job. To me, he would want to go with the veteran guy who gives him the best chance to win. I don't know if Sanchez can play well enough to be on this roster next year. I mean, I guess if they went 11-5, and five and I, I think his ceiling is lower than what it would take for him to be on this roster. I think once they can get rid of that contract, which is next year, they're just going to get rid of it, and it's Geno Smith's team barring a complete implosion from him as a rookie, even if Sanchez plays well. And, and I think this defense could be very good, and that's why you know I give them a chance to be second place in the AFC East. Oh, absolutely. I think uh, the defense is probably quite a bit better than people have given them credit for. They needed more speed in the front seven, and I think they've gotten that. Uh, Demario Davis and Quentin Cobles go into the starting lineup, and then you add Sheldon Richardson. They've gotten a little bit more athletic up front, which they desperately needed. Yeah, you want to see how they line up that whole front seven, but I think it's pretty set right now. It's Wilkerson, Kenrick Ellis, Richardson, Coples, Demario Davis, David Harris. You need another outside pass rusher, but that's pretty good. I mean, there are not a lot of teams, I think, with with better front sevens. I mean, there are some, but I think that's one with, with a lot of potential of young players improving. 
yes, their their secondary might not be quite as good. They have questions no. at safety, but this for the front seven should be considerably better than last year. Well, season. we're kind of optimistic on the Jets relatively. We think they could be a second-place team in the AFCs. That would create a lot of angry Miami Dolphins fans because they're definitely in a playoffs or bust kind of season, at least for the GM, Jeff Ireland. Uh, you're maybe not as optimistic. What is it that you're going to be looking from this team, which has changed so much for in August? Well, I think how Ryan Tannehill plays now that he finally has some semblance of weapons in the passing game, they they're wide receivers and tight end collection last year was arguably the worst in the league. Um, you know, you add, you add Mike Wallace, and this is the same question I have with the Steelers. You're taking away a guy who drew double teams and still produced, and you're putting him on the Dolphins so he draws defensive attention away from the other positions and allows a guy like Dustin Keller or Brandon Gibson or Hartline or even Lamar Miller to see – less attention and and to be able to produce a lot easier with without that extra defensive attention. I don't see a lot of battles here, really. I think Keller's their tight end. We both think Lamar Miller is their running back. I mean, maybe there's a battle for the backup running back, Daniel Thomas. I, I think this they brought in guys to start. Brent Grimes is going to start. They didn't bring in these guys, you know, to compete. Uh, they're going to have Ellerby starting. It's going to be Wheeler. So this is a team, it sounds weird, but I think you just got to wait till the regular season. I'm interested to see how Tannehill does in his second preseason, but I saw enough last year in the regular season. I'm just waiting for the big show with him, and I'm waiting uh, for him to be the most improved quarterback in the league, just like Mike Sherman says. I agree. I, what's crazy about them is they're— Don't agree. It's bad podcast. <laughs> you know, we need to argue. Embrace debate, you know, the well, debate club. You and I are on the same page with Tannehill. Yeah. I, I am on board your, uh, your hype train there. The question with the Dolphins, and this is something that we're probably not going to be able to get get a good read on in training camp, is can Jonathan Martin play left tackle? Yeah. They, their offensive line could be worse, I think, than last year, and it wasn't very good. So you're talking about a team that's improved in so many areas, and yet you look at the offensive line in the secondary, and you could argue that they're worse than a year ago. And those are <laughs> two big spots, the offensive line and the secondary. So they spent a lot of money, and they still have holes in important places. Last team, let's be quick on them. I hate to you know, cut the Buffalo Bills short, but what are you looking for out of them? Well, the quarterback battle, first and foremost, uh, it seems to be that the media, the national media believes Kevin Cobb has the upper hand. I'm not sure if I believe that. He's, his, uh, his ability to play with bodies around him, it's just caused so many problems. And I believe I saw today, he's been in the league six years and only has 21 starts. Right, he, he hasn't taken that many steps. And you're right, evaluating Kevin Cobb in shorts and T-shirts, it doesn't make any sense because his big problem is when the pass rush comes. Until now, there really hasn't been football played this year since the playoffs. I mean, training camp is a whole different thing. And it's going to I mean, that's true for E.J. Manuel, too. And, and some people question how he handled, uh, you know, pressure in his face. But I think the tie has to go to Manuel. Kevin Cobb has to be a lot better then E.J. Manuel, or E.J. Manuel, to me, is the week one starter. I'm really looking forward, and, and I, I don't know if we'll see this in camp, but I think we'll see it with the practice reports a little bit, just what Doug Marone is bringing to the table. Because people have talked a lot about Chip Kelly, and I think Marone could come in with a very different idea of how to run offense in the NFL. Could be a hurry-up. He's not going to show everything in camp, uh, but I think he's going to have some interesting ideas on how to attack teams. I think this is going to be an interesting team. Yeah, I agree. We've, we've heard all about Chip Kelly, but all of the Bills players have, 
have spoken glowingly off, all off season about Marone's offense and how up tempo they are. They could, you know, if if the Eagles go with Foles or Barkley at quarterback, it could be the Bills that are the most up tempo team in the, in the uh, NFL. Well, they could win a track meet. The Bills. I mean, they Marquise Goodwin. They have T.J. Graham, C.J. Spiller. They have Spiller. Uh, they they have some weapons. It kind of reminds me of the Browns a little bit. Every year you would always talk about how there was no one on that team that could catch the ball or or, nece- or a dynamic running back. You always had Fred Jackson, who we like. The Bills have some people. I think they, it's all about the quarterback because I, I think in this group there's enough people to send waves at you. And I think that's what we're seeing. Chip Kelly, the Patriots do it a little bit. It's not just your starters. You're sending the backups in for a lot of snaps, and you're rotating a lot and trying to take advantage of that. Uh, and that's one of the things we'll be looking at in Buffalo this training camp. That's AFC North. That's AFC East. We did it in a relatively short amount of time. I don't know if this is going to be good enough. We might just be done after this. Sessler and Kansas just kick us off. <laughs> well, yeah, they're going to come back and restore order probably. So that'll be next week. We'll take a look at the AFC West and the AFC South. Until then, this was the Debate Club. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. They say every dog has its day, but when you're Lulu and your parents drive a Camry, every day is your day. The roomy rear seat is the perfect, whoa, is that the dog park? Backseat besties, it's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry. Toyota, let's go places. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like... Whoa. And... Hmm. Not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer.